Welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And in the house, we got Robert Parrish. Robert, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay, Michael. How are you, man? You hear I call me, all right, call me Michael. I know you used to call me that little skinny black guy that played for the Lakers. Get that guy off of Larry anyway. Like, like I was saying earlier, we didn't call you guys the Lakers. We call you the Fakers. So what's up, Faker? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get personal today then. All right. That's okay. right. <laughs> anyway, before we start this walk down memory lane, Rob, for where we can get at each other, okay. verbally, not physically, uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, okay? And, and why they call you the chief. I'm a Southern boy by nature and birth from Louisiana. And... Some people call me a Southern gentleman. I wouldn't go that far. But that being said, how I got to ask you a second question, uh, Cedric Maxwell, foreign teammate of mine, uh, blessed me with the, the nickname, The Chief, because of my love affair with the movie One Flew the Cuckoo Nest. I'm a big fan of Jack Nicholson. And and one of his, uh, in my opinion, one of our biggest fans that hated the Celtics, Moonjaw, and the Guardians. All that being said, uh, one in my opinion, one of his best acting jobs was in his Shining, and and one of the characters in that movie uh, was the chief, and he had everybody fooled that he couldn't talk, or couldn't, uh, or or have a speech impediment, and it turns out that. The chief had them all fooled. So when I first came to the Celtics, I didn't say much. I just sit back and observe, you know, trying to find my spot on the team and in the locker room. And then one day I just just had a just an abundance of conversation. And uh and so Cedric was like, I haven't heard you talk that much since you've been there. I've been there for for like a month. <laughs> and then being there, I had been talking about the movie The, the Shining. So I guess Cedric watched it, and then, and, and then one day at practice, he started calling me the chief, and it just stuck for whatever reason. So there's no Indian bloodline in, in, in your background? Yes, but Cedric doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Robert, that's okay. All right. All right, chief, okay. and that's what we're going to refer to you today, because that's how I see you as a Celtic, so I'm going to call you chief. Um, chief. Uh, it says early after I do my background work on a lot of people, it's kind of interesting because it's fun to know what other people, I mean, people are like on other teams as well as our team. A lot of things I didn't know about guys that I played with, but they said you didn't like playing basketball early. Is that true? No, I didn't. Uh, Coop, when I was growing up, my, my neighbors and, and my brother, we played all sports except for basketball and hockey. We played tennis. We played football, baseball. We ran track. We did that, but rarely did we ever pick up a basketball. And then why, because- Why is that? I mean, were you always but, tall? No, yeah, no, I, I didn't get a growth spurt until the end of my elementary uh, education. Like, wow. when I was going, like that summer I was going into the seventh grade when I graduated from elementary and I was going to junior high school, I grew like four inches, almost four and a half inches, almost five inches just completely 
stun my parents. <laughs> how, how tall is your mom and dad? Is it, are you the only tall one in your family, or is it on which side? Your mom's side or your dad's I'm, side? I, I'm guessing, Coop, I got it from my father. My father's six foot three. My mother was five foot seven. No one in my family is exceptionally tall. Wow. For me to come for me to come out to be seven feet. So I always teased my pops. It was one hell of a night. So <laughs> you, you produced a seven footer. You had one hell of a night. <laughs> so Chief, you fill you play you go to high school, you've uh, go to college. Where do you go to college at? I went to college locally here in my hometown of uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, sitting near a college. I knew uh, that. I just wanted yeah. you to say it because I didn't want to blow the name. <laughs> it, it, it happened. Some people said Centenary. <laughs> I was going to say Centennial. <laughs> yes, I was going to say some people say Centennial. I was just going to say that. <laughs> and what happened at Centenary with you guys? In, in regard to, to what? Well, you what, what, are you the, what are you speaking of? You weren't in the NCAA what, record. What, yeah, I was going to say what, con- what, what context are you speaking of? So there were some issues with your eligibility, right? And your teammates. So you guys played and didn't basically register any points ever. We're, we're <laughs> on the same page now. Me, it, it was a total of six of us, myself and five other players that, that class that came in with me. We all took the ACT test and they converted our scores to the SAT. And then the NCAA said that uh, if, it, if nothing in the rule book said you can't do that, it's like a gray area. But for whatever reason, I'm guessing because I went someplace unexpected in such a small school, they automatically assumed that Sid never did something, you know, under the table to get me to go there. And so the NCAA said, you got two choices. You can transfer or retake the test. So all of us being arrogant and defiant, we said we're not taking the test and we're not leaving. So NCAA <laughs> put us on probation. So that's the, the genesis of how all that came about, the probation and, and uh, us not being recognized. Because we were tearing it up for four years. We didn't lose no more than three games every year I was at Centenary. We was tearing it up, if I may say so myself. Mm. So in 1976, y'all kicking ass in Centenary, the Golden State Warriors and the ABA Utah Stars, they came for you. The Warriors drafted you. Uh, The Stars, I believe, drafted you too, but you chose the Warriors. Why? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Real-time update odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, Head over to Bet Online, your laptop or mobile device, and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. 
50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. The Golden State Warriors and the ABA Utah Stars, they came for you. The Warriors drafted you. Uh, the Stars, I believe, drafted you too, but you chose the Warriors. Why? Because I found out, Coop, before a lot of people did, that the NBA was going to merge with the ABA. And that's why I didn't choose the ABA because all four years of my college uh, career, I got drafted by the Utah Stars. And so being that I found out through my agent that a merger was going to occur, so, so he recommended that I go to the NBA. So that's why I chose the Warriors instead of the ABA. You're old motherfucker, Robert. You know that? I, really? I, I, I really? Sick, cool. I was guessing. <laughs> I was, what were you in Pampas? second year of junior college then. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, were you in Pampas then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that little, but I was okay. there. Okay. So who, who were some of your teammates on the Warriors back then? Because I keep trying to think. Of, was, uh, I know that was that Jamal Wilkes? Was he on the team? Jamal Wilkes, Phil Smith, Clifford Ray, Rick Barry, Gus Williams. Oh, so you got uh, a chance to play with some of the greats in the game. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we, we was loaded for for that one year. Uh, we got to the we got to the to the playoffs and ran into your Lakers and Kareem. I tell you what, Coop. I tell you a funny story. Humbling experience for me. I did not play a lot my rookie year until the playoffs, and we played the Lakers. That back then it was best out of three, and so and so I'm feeling real good about myself because you know I thought I was all that in college, and then I went up against Kareem. The big fella averaged thirty nine point nine, and I think it was like fifteen or sixteen rebounds for three games. Humbling. <laughs> Welcome to the NBA, Coop. <laughs> Very humbling. <laughs> Chief, let me ask you this. Why you picked the number double zero? Funny story behind that, Coop. In junior high school, because I that was my first time playing basketball, I was the worst player on the team. So uh, before the season start, started, uh, the coach ordered a lot of jerseys. The starting five got their jerseys, their numbers, and then one through nine. The second unit got their jerseys, and it was one jersey left, double zero. And that's how I came up, number double zero. And not to mention, my teammates in junior high school started calling me double nothing because I couldn't catch it, I couldn't hold it, I couldn't dribble, coop. All I could do was just look at it. <laughs> I, didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do with the basketball. How'd you, get to be so, how'd you get to be so good then? I guess it was meant to be. That's the only thing I come up with because that first, say, six months, they should just kick me off the team. I'm not going to lie about it. I shouldn't even been on the roster. Because like I said, I was just a tall person. I was like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I was just tall. That's it. Wow. And, and my junior high school coach kept, you know, Robert, you're that tall for a reason. You had that growth spurt for a reason. And I kept saying, I don't see what my, my junior high school coach was name was Coleman Kidd. I'm like, uh, Coach Kidd, I don't see what you see because I'm just out here in the way. And not to mention, tell you a funny story, 
my parents always told us never get into a fight at school. So one day in practice, one of my teammates threw a real hard pass, a hot pass, and it went through my hands and hit me in the middle of my face, gave me a black eye. So when I got home, I had a black eye and my parents jumped all over me. Didn't we tell you about fighting in school? What did we tell you? You're grounded for a week in you know, our whole nine. Then when I told him what happened, he was like, oh, you're not grounded anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, I want to add to your story because that's who I am. You're okay. as dark as I am, so you don't get black eyes. So your eye must have been red, and they saw that. <laughs> I love you, Robert. Cool. I want you to know that. Only because cool. you don't have that Celtic jersey on. Cool. That lets you know the damage that was done. Exactly. <laughs> it was it, it was it was blue. It was up above my eye it was yellow, and I had some red underneath. You know where 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 uh where the blood the blood was bruised. I had a little rig on it. It was like a rainbow. I, excuse my language. It that path f me up. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert, you you're playing with the Warriors. Oh, and by the way, back then y'all were playing at the Cow Palace, right? Uh, uh, no, we, we was at the Oakland Coliseum. Okay, yes, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that was Rick's early year. They played. Yeah, that was Rick. Yeah, Rick early year. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Warriors in uh, 79, 80, 81 is looking at Joe Bar- Barry Carroll, or some people say Joe Barely Cares. Uh, <laughs> and they decide, <laughs> laughing at that, because you heard that, didn't you? Uh, I've heard it before. <laughs> they decide to trade you in 1981. And lo and behold, Red Hardback and the Boston Celtics come a-calling, and you find yourself in Boston. Am I right? You're right. Okay. What was your first experience there in Beantown? Uh, it was that reserved. bad? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word. Re- reserved, because as you know, uh, Boston has, has a reputation of being racist and prejudiced and segregated. And so definitely some trepidation when I went there. But I, I must say, Coop, the the uh 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 the the, the is, is perception is worse than the reputation is. The perception is, is is a lot better uh uh than it I'm trying to say is a lot better than the reputation of Boston is. And and I, even though I've I've seen the the, the racism and the prejudice against other minorities, it wasn't never directed at me because of my association with the Celtics, but it was certainly there. I, it just not as intense as it was back when Russell was playing back in the, in the 60s, 50s yeah. and 60s. Yeah. So the perception, what I was getting to, perception is, is definitely better than, uh, is, is worse than reality because reality has gotten a lot better. The city of Boston has really grown from, from a social perspective. You know what, Robert, I always say this to young people coming up, because I talk to a lot of the young kids, is that sports has that 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 emotional um that that bonding where that you know it's hard to be or to be um uh, I mean you can be racist, but it still it brings people together. And basketball is one of the sports because you're in a building and people come together and you know, I say this from a person on the outside looking in every time we came to the garden, I don't care what we heard and things that we heard and, and uh, people, but they love you guys there. I mean, they love the team, black, they white, did. purple, green. They love the players. 
And to piggyback off what you're saying about how uh, sports bridge that gap between the races, music does that too, Coop. Right, you're right, you're right. When you, when you go, when you go get some musical entertainment, yeah, every ethnicity is there most of the time, and everybody gets along. Yeah. So I, I, I what I was getting to sports and music transcends religion, race, race, and politics and religion, in my opinion. Yeah. You're listening to Showtime with Coop, and I'm very, very wild on this one. Already, my producer got this one going. We got Robert Parrish in the house and talking some insightful BS. He's not a cursor, but I am, so I'll curse a little bit for him. But Robert, we are so glad to have you here. We're at the point of my show now to where I call it Coop's Lightning Round. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you six names and you tell me a little bit or as much as you want about that individual, okay? Okay. First one, Casey Jones. A winner on all levels, high school, college, professional, coaching, great person of character, uh, humanity, uh, I have great respect and, and reverence for KC. I would say, uh, hopefully, I can carry myself the same way that KC carry himself with respect and poise and dignity as a, as a human being. And that's how I try to carry myself because I feel uh, such high, what I'm trying to say, I had such high regard for KC. So I try to carry myself in a like-minded manner. Uh, the late Tommy Heinsohn. I didn't know Tommy personally. I just observed him from afar. But I tell you what, if there's such a thing as bleeding Celtic green, Tommy Heinsohn bled Celtic green. You know, no matter how poorly we were playing, no matter how how badly we was out we were I played, Tommy always found some good, no matter what. He always shined a positive light on us. I don't know how he managed to do that, because some nights we didn't deserve it, but Tommy found a way. Well, uh, uh, Chief, there is a thing of uh, uh, bleeding green, because I bleed purple and gold, so believe me, it's in my veins. So, okay, uh, Red Arback. Man, one of the things I like about Red, he always told you what it was. He didn't never sugarcoat it. Excuse my language. If you wasn't shit or you played like shit, he told you you played like shit tonight. That's why we lost. And I respect. <laughs> and I respect that, Coop. I respect that. You gotta respect that. And, and, and that's through all no that cigar smoke, huh? <laughs> no question. And then I'm telling you, tell you that, Coop. Then he dumped some ashes on your on your legs. <laughs> but but you gotta respect that though. Oh, you, you do for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Larry Little. That was my college coach, and he was two reasons why I went to Centenary, a local college of seven hundred students. Wow. I was a young father in college, well, in high school. I was a father midway through my senior year in high school. Wow. And Larry Little, my college coach, 
I just something about him, the vibe he gave off, uh, what he was saying. Uh, he, was, he was all in about graduation and education with all due respect to athletics and playing basketball. He just preached over and over about the importance of education. And also he kept going on and on about how character builds you and prepares you uh, for the future. So those are the two reasons why Joe's sitting there. Good. Uh, this next guy is somebody real special to me, uh, Dennis Johnson, the late Dennis Johnson. And Rob, I'm going to tell you something. He and I were very good friends. We've known each other all the way back in high school because he's from out here. And then he went to the Celtics and I started hating him, man. Dennis Johnson. First of all, being that he had a, a good friend on the Lakers, that's, <laughs> that's brats for me. What? <laughs> Should have asked you that first and then told you that No, go question. <laughs> uh, he and Cedric Maxwell were two of my favorite people on the team. And Dennis uh, kept things uh, smooth and easy, kept the tension out of the locker room whenever somebody was beefing with teammates or coaching or uh, family issues, whatever whatever negativity was going on in the locker room, DJ was always the one that found a way to smooth it out. And not to mention, he was the catalyst to everything we was doing. With all due respect to myself and Larry and, and Kevin Maxwell, DJ was the one. He, he was the engine, you know, should I, a, a better way to describe that, DJ was what was the uh was the soul of the team because Larry was the heartbeat. Yeah. DJ was the soul of the team. Good guy, good guy. And last but not least, the gentleman you just talked about, Larry Bird. Oh shit, that's that's the man. Shit. He's like, he's like your magic, your Kareem, you know, that once in a lifetime player, uh, franchise changing player. That that's uh the category that Larry was in. And not to mention I like the way he led us as a team. He wasn't in your face, you know, that uh, talking trash to you. He led by example. No matter how poorly you playing, Coop, he never got on you. Only thing he, only thing he would say to you, you know, try to pick it up if you can. You know, you had one of them nights with things just not going your way. He always spoke, you know, with encouragement. He never tried to put players down. And I always respected that about Larry. You never, he wasn't a trash talker? Oh, to other players. Okay. Oh, my. To, oh, yeah. my. Rob, give us goodness. a couple of stories of him talking trash. I was going to say, what's Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> one, thing, one thing you got to give Larry Bird, he could be red hot or ice cold. He never stopped talking trash. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. I got one, Coop. I, 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 he, he, uh, great story. We was in Phoenix playing the Phoenix Suns, and their their main man was Tom Chambers, and Chambers was guarding was guarding Larry, and so in, in the jump ball circle, Larry walked through myself and and uh, Chambers, and then came back and told Chambers, "I know you guarding me, and I want you to know something. There's only one man that can guard me, and that's God." Now, now think about that for a second. Think about the confidence and the arrogance it takes to make that statement. 
<laughs> Think about that for a second. Hey, Rob, let me ask you this one. Uh, there's a story going around where Casey Jones was drawing up a play and you guys were all in the huddle, and I guess he was having a hard time saying it. Larry told him, hey, give me the ball, and the rest of you guys get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Is that true? The story behind that, Kevin was the one that had the hot hand. But as we all know, Larry's the man, and that's Larry's team. So Larry should take the first shot. But KC was torn between drawing up something for Kevin because he had the hot hand and not offending Larry. So Larry just took the F over. Draw draw up a play for me and give me the ball and get out of my way. And that was the end <laughs> of the X and O's. <laughs> All right, you have something? Yeah, no, I got I got one more in the um the lightning round. Michael Jordan. Great athlete, one of the uh, great competitors. Uh, arrogant as fuck, but that's that's one of the things that make makes him so great and, and makes him such a, a competitor. Uh, reason why I say arrogant to a fault because he don't think he should ever lose at anything. I'm like, first of all, you're not perfect, Michael. You're gonna lose at something. Some people just better than you are at certain things. Now, granted, you go, hey, Chief, like, yeah. he did light y'all's ass up for 63 now, so. <laughs> hey, hey, I reminded him of that, Coop. And I also <laughs> told him, but we bust y'all's ass, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no question. Um, hey, we talking to Robert Parrish, former Celtic player, Celtic great. Uh, Robert, you get to the to, to um, the Celtics in 1981, but in 79, two great players come out of college: Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, uh, Michigan State, Indiana State. Larry goes to Boston, Magic comes to LA. They got this rivalry going again, and it's one that started in college. And 1980 comes, we win the first championship because all Magic talked about was Larry Bird, and then the Boston Celtics. So 81 comes about, you guys, you guys won in 81, right? right. Uh, 82, we're able to beat Philly again and get our championship. 83, we're thinking things are rolling and going and we end up losing. 84, we see you guys for the first time, I believe, in a championship series. Mm -hmm. And 1984 is a championship loss. Right. That to this day, Robert, sticks with me and, and it just, um, it eats at me. It really does. <laughs> because you know what? We should have whooped y'all's ass, man. Michael, and we, we should have. It should it should stick with you. Stick with you for what was at stake. You we you we were both playing to be the best, trying to achieve excellence, trying to be the best team in the world. Hey, we got when I went to Celtic, we got to the championship twice. I mean five times. Yeah. One and three. Those two losses still crossed my mind from time yeah. to time. Because that's that's the ultimate prize. Yeah. All your work and sacrifice and dedication and focus. That is your reward, your gratification. When you Robert, achieve, go ahead. Let, no, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpens iron. And I know when we first saw you guys, or even back in the 80s, before we saw you guys, is that Magic used to always talk about Larry Bird, but now he had included the Celtics. And every year from that year on, we talked about you guys in uh, at, at training camp, 
beginning of the season, exhibition season. We knew what we had to do to get out the same, West. Same here. Okay, I was going to ask you, is that the same thing you guys you, were thinking? Just like you guys focus on, on us, like, like you guys feel like the only rival or competitor that you guys were concerned about was the Celtics. We felt like the only competitors in the league that we really concerned about were the Lakers. We felt the same way. Just like you guys followed us with the standings, yep. the wins and losses, we did the same thing with the Lakers. Yep. And, and you know what? That's made basketball. And people talk about yes. the NBA today. It, I don't really think, Robin, again, uh, yeah, you have the, the Bird and Mikhail and Paris and DJ, all the other ones. Uh, we had Magic, Worthy, Kareem, right. but it was players. And I, I, I see you kind of like in the same sense of me, Robert. You were that player that they weren't going to win without you. So Absolutely. that's what Come. made it fun. With all due respect to your horses, this is just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I always feel like if you and Worthy were balling, you guys going to be a handful. You guys going to no. be trouble. Well, so I'm just adding you to that list with Worthy, Kareem, and Magic. I add you to that list. Now, with all due respect to Byron Scott, I wasn't all on board with him. Yeah. But because the reason why I say that, because he, I didn't feel like he was getting it done defensively. Yeah. He was getting, he was getting it done offensively. Don't get me wrong. But defensively, I felt like you made the difference. That's, Rob, that's what wins championships. Is right. that that's defense. why I put you on the list as opposed to Scott, Byron Scott. Like I said, he was tearing it up offensively. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, I've never been a fan of a one-way player. Yeah. I'm a fan of a player. And Coop, you got it done on both ends. Thank you, Rob. And that's why I put you on that list. 1984, we mm-hmm. play you guys at the Garden. We end up losing. And I'm going to tell you something that I've Probably shouldn't tell you this, but anyway, after that game, after we fought our way through the crowd, because I love the fact that the crowd was able to come on the floor, fought our way. Uh, we were in the locker room, and it was just horrible, man. We were sitting in there, and Magic and I were like one of the last two to take a shower. And we ended up sitting in the corner, taking a shower. I remember this vividly. The water's running over, and, and Magic said this. He said, you know what, Coop? We'll never lose to these motherfuckers again. And I, like I was like... He, and, but it was the way he said it. And I'm pretty sure Larry has said some things through the course. When, when your leaders say something a certain way, it makes you sit up and take attention. And, you know, we came back that next year, Rob, and we had you guys number one focus from day one. Yeah, yeah we knew there was Cleveland. We knew there was everybody else coming out, Philadelphia. We knew Detroit was starting to rear up and be the – I don't call them bad boys. I call them bad kids. Uh, we knew they were coming. And but our focus was on you guys and Robert. I was so glad when we finally got a chance to see y'all. What are your thoughts about that '85 championship series? I, I loved it. I feel like uh, it was a great uh, series and uh, very competitive. I feel like I always felt like Coop that year. You guys had the edge slightly because yeah. you guys had a little bit more firepower. Because I felt like we lost Lynn Bias. And we lost Reggie Lewis. Yep. And so that hurt us, especially against teams like like uh, your Lakers. Because we needed that extra firepower to get us past you guys. Because you guys had uh, Michael Du, You had Michael Thompson uh, coming off the bench. 
uh, I can't think of that other guy. It was like three, oh, I can't think of the other guy's uh, name. But anyways, you guys had three. Uh, uh, well, well, it was me, McAdoo, and Michael Thompson coming off the bench because Jerry had went and got Michael just for Kevin McHale to, to win after that yeah. 84. So when he came, and I believe it was Larry Spriggs, Mike okay. McGee, one of them yeah. that, that kind of like add a little bit. Mike McGee, that's who I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you. Yeah. Michael McGee, yeah, he was another one. That's why I say you guys had that's a tad more firepower yeah. than we did. And that was the difference. And piggybacking on what you said, what Michael said, when you guys beat us in 85, Larry said something similar. We're going to get these motherfuckers next time. Oh, yeah, but you know what? You have really six. gotten comfortable because you're cursing. Now, I love that, man. I, I don't. That's Sean the I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't swear often. But I, but okay. I do swear. I'm it here. <laughs> I, I do swear though. You're I don't do some it. passion, man. Yeah. I don't do it often, but I do do it. Well, you know what? That Celtic uh, the Celtic Lakers rivalry brings out something. I'm sweating under my arms over here because I'm I'm against Chief. And you know what, Robert, I'm gonna say this to you. And of all the defensive assignments that we had, you know, you had strategies for different people, what Bird was going to do, what you were probably the most difficult one to guard because Kareem was okay defensive player, but we knew that you could get your shot off on him. So our main focus was to contain you, Robert. It really was. All our championships, uh, everyone. No wonder I kept getting double-teamed. You guys should have been double-teamed. Yeah. Yeah. double Kevin. No, <laughs> that magic me. came down on you quick. And you, you were the main focus of us because we knew. We said, you know what? If we can keep Robert's points down a little bit, maybe that might help us because you kind of right. figure that we knew you could get yours one-on-one, but you knew Larry and them. Larry's a good passer. If he got doubled, he's going to pass it. But right. Robert, you had that turnaround high, high shot that nobody could affect. So we knew we had to get you before you got into the motion. Uh, yeah, you were uh, one of our nemesis. Uh, you were that kind of guy that was off to the side, but we knew, always paid attention to you. For the record, I noticed it too. Almost <laughs> every time I touched the ball, I got doubled. <laughs> <laughs> no anyway, Robert, 85 come. We come back in 86. Uh, Houston goes out and gets the Twin Towers, and that just was a debacle year for us because we just had all kind of problems. So they ended up with that Ralph Sampson throwing the ball over his head. The ball goes in. They show me laying on the ground. And after the game, we told these guys, you know, I went up to uh, Elijah Wine and Robert Reed. I said, Robert Reed, listen, we can't get there. Y'all kick those guys' ass, will you please? What do y'all do? Y'all sweep the shit out of them, man. <laughs> I'm gonna say, we, we swept them, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> y'all must have been disappointed we weren't there. Y'all beat those guys so easy. I mean, Michael, it wasn't easy, but it looked easy. Michael, we were so ready for your Lakers. Oh, oh the Rockets didn't stand a chance. Because we, we was all wound up too tight to face you guys. Yeah. So all that energy, all that anticipation, all that tension, we just let it flow all, all over the rocket. We ran through them like a laxative, to be honest. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> you did. Listen, we got Robert Parrish, a legendary Hall of Famer in the house. Robert, uh, 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 are you having any more questions for him, sir? Is is that this, the the picture behind you, Coop? Is that is Robert Parrish on, in that picture? 
Is he? No. <laughs> so I, I, I feel bad because Robert Parrish. <laughs> I didn't know that, Robert. I'm sorry. But that's you right there. <laughs> cool. No shit, cool. <laughs> Robert, that's about that's about at least at least he's not dunking on you like they show on the NBA TV, Dr. J dunking on me, getting out of the way. So hey, uh, cool, I'll take that. Cool. Don't feel bad. Doctor dunked on a lot of people. <laughs> Don't feel bad. He dunked on a lot of people. And and a lot of a lot of seven footers too, cool. <laughs> a lot of seven footers. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, Robert! This has been great, man. I want to thank no you. Hopefully, if the family's doing well, this COVID and anything like that. Anything you want to promote or something like that? No, Coop. I just want to thank you, man, for having me as a guest and give me a chance to bring me this and and converse and have flashbacks about your fakers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it, man. No question. Hey, Robert, and, listen. And, you gotta be careful. Of- you gotta be careful of flashbacks. That might be a stroke sometimes. So lights go out or something. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the truth? <laughs> I don't want to get too excited. <laughs> hey, cool. Cause I'm a senior citizen now. <laughs> so am I, man. <laughs> Listen, Robert, thank you for this walk down memory lane. It's always nice to, you know what? I got a chance to uh, talk with Cedric. And now that we've stopped playing, I, I, you know, I'll, you guys have always been friends from afar. Uh, right. Now we've become even friendlier uh, until we talk about the Celtics. Then I'm going to get ugly again, as well as you. But uh, just thank you, man, for the time today. Hopefully everything stays safe with you, brother. Uh, I may come back to you again. Uh, we're thinking about having two Lakers and two Celtics on, you and Cedric, myself and somebody, maybe Michael Thompson, because he likes to talk a little bit of shit. But, Robert, right. thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. And, cool, thank you, and continue success going forward. Thank you, my brother. Love you. All right, man. Love Take you care, too, Rob. Okay. All right, now.